listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. hand on your heart right now. I'm going to pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, God, we just pray for ourselves right now that you would speak to us. Speak into our hearts. Speak into our lives, God. We haven't come here to have our time wasted, and we know, God, you haven't come to waste our time. And God, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and lives everything that we need to hear today, and that we would leave here changed, that we would leave here transformed, that we would leave here renewed. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, Shout amen in the house. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen in the house. The anointing and living by purpose. I want to start today with reading a verse, a passage or scripture. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 1. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 1. And it says this, How long will you mourn for Saul? This is God speaking directly to Samuel, his prophet. How long are you going to cry? How long are you going to grumble? How long are you going to be disappointed, upset, frustrated? Whatever the emotion you're going through, how long are you going to have that for something that I have what? Rejected. God says, I have rejected man's way. I've rejected man's choice. And how long... Are you going to grumble and complain about that? Pretty strong words there. God could have said, I just don't like. It's like Facebook, isn't it? It's kind of harsh that you can either friend someone or not friend them. It would kind of be nice if you kind of had a, I kind of like you, but don't want to follow you choice right there. It's kind of harsh, isn't it? That you either like someone or you don't. And that's what God is doing. There's an extreme here, but there's an extreme for a reason. Because I believe God is trying to show every one of us a point for our lives today. And the point is this, how long are we going to hold on to the things that God has rejected from our futures? How long are we going to hold on to relationships that God says no more? How long are we going to hold on to wrong mindsets that God says, hold on a second, you've got to change your stinking thinking. How long are you going to be in the wrong places that you don't need to be? That you're going to have the wrong attitude? You see, God has shown us, I have rejected those things. God says they're not for your life. Literally, God is cutting those things away from your life. And that is so important because God was not prepared in this passage that we read to continue to work with disobedience. Saul had been disobedient. And God says, the throne has been taken from you. And God is now saying, I have rejected that because I cannot work with something and someone I cannot completely trust. God is looking for someone he can trust. 
When you look through the scriptures and you understand this in your life, God doesn't desire to just work with something. God doesn't want to just be a part of our lives, but yet we still choose to do what we want and we have a tag along called God. God doesn't want to work as a something in our life. God wants to be the someone of our life. Let me say that again. God doesn't want to just be a something of our life. God wants to be the someone of our life. He wants to be the one in control of our lives. Just in Thanksgiving, we were in Nicaragua. And over there on the mission field, we saw it with our own eyes and we've heard testimony after testimony of other people in foreign nations all over this world. Why is it when people pray there that things tend to happen? Why do we not see the same results? Why do we not see people see the miracles and the breakthroughs? Oh, they happen but not in the magnitude or the masses of what you see over there. And God showed me, I believe, the reason why. Because in those nations, it's God, period. It's God only. There is no doctors. There is no medication. There is no insurance. There's no hospitals. There's no hope. It's either God or they're literally going to die. But what do we have here? We have God and. God and. And that's what God is saying in this passage. I want you to get the and as the stuff of the world out of your life because I've got an and that I want to put into your life. I want blessing. I want to be in control of your life because a life controlled by God is a life that will never be disappointed. Is a life that will be fulfilled. I didn't say there wouldn't be struggles and heartaches, but he promises I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be the peace in the midst of the storm. Notice where we're at in the midst of a storm. But God says, I'm in the boat with you. Saying, peace be still. So what do we see? God has to reject those things. Because it has to be His way in our lives. Saul had lost his perspective as the king. A great king, may I add. A great king. But he had lost his perspective and he had forgotten that it was God's calling and anointing that prepared him to be the king. Now he was looking to himself. Now pride had risen up inside of him and God says, can't use that. Got to reject that. Read on. For I am sending you, God speaking, to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided I have been preparing in the mundane earthly things. God says, myself, a king amongst his sons. I love that. God says, I've been taking care of myself now, preparing me a king, because when it's what I want and what I have, everything that you could ever wish for and everything that you could ever desire will be found. Man had his choice. It worked for a while. Saul rose up. There was no army. There was no kingdom. There was nothing as such. Saul built it all from ground up. He built an army. He he built defenses. He was a great king for a while. There were good times that they had. They defeated the enemy. They drove out the enemy. There were moments of greatness. But God says, now it's my choice. I've handpicked and I've selected Someone that I know will fulfill my purpose. My purpose. 
New Living Translation says, I've selected. Message Bible says, I've spotted the very king that I want. The NIV says, I have chosen. So Samuel goes. He listens to the words of God and he goes. But he goes under the pretense of offering a sacrifice, fearing for his life. Look what it says. And Samuel said, verse 2, First Samuel 16, And Samuel said, How can I go if Saul hears it? Because he's still king. He will kill me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Take a heifer with you and say that I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Samuel didn't get a great welcoming part. He jumped to verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and he went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? Do you come in peace? Samuel is the prophet of God. Being the prophet of God, he is the mouthpiece of God. God would speak through His prophet Samuel would give the word of God to the people of that day. So automatically, what do we see? They've jumped to the conclusion that he's coming to say something bad. That he's coming to call fire down, to chastise them, to ridicule them. Isn't it amazing that almost 99% of the time, our minds can jump to the wrong conclusion? It's amazing that we tend to go to the bad instead of the good. Why can't we believe when we see on caller ID the school is calling, that they have an honors program and that your child has been handpicked and we need to just make sure that you're going to be there, that you maybe don't, didn't get the message. Why is it automatically we're thinking they're in the principal's office? It's bad. Why is it when the boss says, I need to talk to you, why can't it be that they want to talk to you about a promotion and a new opportunity? Why is it automatically you're calling everyone, pray because I think I'm going to be fired. I think it's bad. Why is it when the doctor calls and the doctor says to you, can you just come in? We need to talk. Why can it not be that we've seen your x-ray and what was there before a cancerous mass is no longer there and we've got to talk about it because we can't just talk about it over the phone because I don't know what has happened. Now I know doctors call with bad reports. I know bosses fire people. I know schools call up and they say your kid's in trouble. But why can't we have the attitude and the positivity in our life that we start believing for God to do great things instead of always expecting the worst? in our life. When God's in it, there's great things that's going to happen. Why can we not begin? That's a life of purpose, I believe. That living by promise, blessing. Samuel assures every one of them, he says, breathe, it's okay, it's good. I'm just here to offer a sacrifice. Everything is good. And then, as instructed by God, he invites Jesse He invites his sons. They get the VIP treatment. They are front row for the sacrifice, for the feast, for the festival. Not knowing the plan for the day. Not knowing the reason and the true purpose of Samuel being there was to anoint the next king of Israel, God's choice. They didn't know, but they were anxious. They were watching. They were engaged in what was happening. 1 Samuel 16 Verse 6 says, So it was when they came, speaking of Jesse's sons and family, 
that Samuel looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He's not thinking this to himself. He's not looking and saying, hmm, I wonder. There's an exclamation at the end, and it says that Samuel said, I think he is boldly screaming out at the top of his voice, here's the one, woohoo! This has got to be God's anointed. He's big, he's strong, he's good looking, he's the firstborn son, great choice, God, great job, I'm going to be home by nightfall. Job done. God even agrees with what he has seen. But yet God rejects him. Read what it says, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. In other words, God is saying, I see what you see. Because he's a big, bad dude. He's a good looking good. I see all of that. That's what God is saying to Samuel. But he is saying, I have refused him. I have rejected him. And that's tough. I've rejected him. I have rejected him. You see, God is saying again to Samuel, I see what you see, but hold on to this. But my purpose is for you to see what I see. That's the purpose of God for our lives, not for us to see what we see. But the purpose for God is that we will begin to see what God sees. God says, for man looks at the outward. Man looks at all the circumstances and the situations and everything that's going around. And however that may appear. And according to that appearance, guess what? They are coming up with a verdict and a conclusion. But God says, don't look at what you may see right now. God says, I'm not looking at the outward appearance. But God says, I'm looking at the heart. God says it's got to be character first. It's got to be what's inside. Samuel is looking like we do from the circumstances and situations of life from the wrong direction. We look from the out to the in where God begins at the heart. Say with me character. Who we Ah, who we are. I want to tell you something today. God's not really concerned with the out. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because if God can take care of what's on the inside, the outside's going to take care of itself. The outside will handle itself. I remember at youth camp once, the, when, many years ago, when we had all these kids that came from all over the world and, 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 and all over America. It was just really powerful. And I remember the struggles. One of the struggles we had every year was just some of the clothing that the young people would want to wear. And um, the problem was, if they wore clothes, it was good. It was Almost no clothing. And so we had to challenge these people almost daily. And, and Miss D was almost the dress code. She was the one that was, go and see Miss D. Go and see Miss D. She wants to talk to you. Miss D, go and talk to them. And so Miss D was very busy at these camps talking to a lot of young ladies about the kind of clothing. And it wasn't just don't wear that. It was, come on, have value in yourself. Realize what you're attracting by that and just everything. And I remember one young girl, she was just the number one offender. Every day she got to the place where she would sneak out and sneak in so she could come unnoticed. And by the time she was in service, by the time it was just too late to be able to send her back and for her to get some clothes on and get covered. 
But I remember one night, that young girl, she was at the altar, weeping and crying. And God got a hold of her life. Absolutely got a hold of her life. She was just broken, tears streaming down her face. And can I tell you, the next day, she was going around, all the girls on her floor, saying, do you have a dress? Do you have a shirt? Do you have some trousers? Do you have something I can wear? What happened? When God changes the inside, what goes on on the outside is affected and changed too because now she saw herself in a different light. And now she was saying, hey, I want to cover myself because I don't want to attract that anymore. I don't want to be like that anymore. We focus so much and we say, clean your act up, then you can come in. God needs to change your heart so the outside can be cleaned up. Everyone's welcome in this church. We're not going to stop anyone because they don't know any better until the better comes inside of them. And God changes our heart and life. Think about all the work that we put on the inside and the outside of our lives. If you were to draw a line, where would that be? I'm telling you where it would be. The outside would have a lot more work done than the inside. That's why fasting, I believe, is so vital and so important because it gets the inside stronger than the outside again. It helps us to disconnect from those things and spend time in prayer, spend time in the Word, refraining from things so we can build our man. We've got to get the balance right because whatever's the strongest is that which is going to lead us. The circumstances, the life, the outward, everything that we put around us is nothing compared to what we need to have within us. Man puts the emphasis on the act. Look around us. What do they say in our communities? If we can just build new schools, we'll solve the educational problem. They've built beautiful schools all over this city and all over this nation, and kids are still being expelled. The education system is still going down, but we're seeing it rise up. Robert and different godly people are now being in place, and we're praying and believing. But what I'm saying is man throws the solution to the outside. If we can just change the laws, if I can just do this, if I can just build the right rec centers, if this can happen, what changes? Nothing, because when the heart is the same, nothing will ever change. And furthermore, the out just gets in the way because the out is the pride. It's that which we would build up and say, would you look at me and what I am doing? What do we know from God's word? God is not calling the equipped. God wants to prepare and equip the called. Come on, he's not calling the equipped. Well, pastor, I'm just not equipped. Great, you are the candidate that God is looking for. Because God is preparing. He's wanting to prepare your life and my life. Why? Because His choice is this. Purpose is not ability. Purpose is availability. Purpose is not the ability that you may have. But purpose is the availability of you yielding your life and giving it to God. Have you ever said, but God? Have you ever said, but God? And that's a nice way to put it, I think. Because you're like, turn around and say, but God, that just doesn't make sense. You get angry. You get frustrated. 
with God. I'm sure Samuel had a but God moment. God, what is going on? I mean, that's the baddest looking dude right there. He's the biggest guy. He, he, he's got it all together. That's going to be someone that man is going to want to follow because man always needs a champion. Have you ever seen that? Man wants to follow a winning team. Man always needs something that's great to follow. But God, this is the right but God. Here's the one in the right sense. But God needs someone on crunch day to say it's not because of me, but it's because of God. Because God knows the opposition that's laying ahead of our lives. God knows the giants that will stand opposed to our purpose. And he needs someone not to see themselves in their ability, but they're in availability to recognize his ability and say, I maybe can't do it, but with God, I'm not a minority, I'm a majority. Because we're going to see it in 1 Samuel 17. David, this little boy, he stands before the giant Goliath. What does Goliath do? Goliath curses him by his gods. Probably took a long time, a lot of gods. Goliath cursed him by every one of those gods. After he'd finished cursing him, he's laughing at David. He's laughing in between while he's cursing David. He uses even illustrations to prove his point. Am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? I mean, get real, son. I'm a warrior from birth, from youth. I was born for this. And who do you think you are? And it didn't stop there. He then told him how the day was going to end. This is how the day is going to go. I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. There's a pivotal moment right here. There's a pivotal moment that has taken place right here that you've got to see. Because David could have seen himself as the giant saw him. David could have realized and said, man, you're right. You are big and I'm really small. Wow, you've got big weapons. I really don't have much. Wow, yeah, man, yeah. David could have been paralyzed in the fear of the moment. Why? Because David could have chosen to see himself. But what did David choose to see? God didn't choose, David didn't choose to see himself. David said, let me tell you something. Are you ready? The birds ain't going to snack on my body. They're going to have an all-day buffet on your big body. Because this is how it's going to go down. It ain't about me, but it's about the God I serve. And this day, God is going to give you into my hands. Can you see the importance of having the purpose in the right place? Because when you focused on the outside, you're going to look and say, I cannot do it. He's bigger than me, that's scarier than me, that's more I can handle. And this is the pivotal moments that we're facing each day in our lives when we've got to say, hey, hold on a second, stop. It's not about me. Put the mirror away, get out the window because I need to see through the mirror and I need to see a God that is there, that is greater than anything that I could ever be. Don't see yourself in a greater way than the God that's inside of you. Don't see your problems in a greater way. Don't see your success in a greater way than the God. You've got to see 
The God inside of you. This is why many people don't make it. This is why some of you, I pray you all will, but some of you may not make it where you need to be because you allow your insecurities, the lies of the enemies to make you see yourself as you think or they think you are. You've got to start seeing yourself as God thinks you are. And God says, I have prepared for myself a king. I have prepared for myself a queen. And he's not talking about the person sitting beside you, in front of you, on the platform, in front of you. He's talking about the person that you are. Because with Christ in you, I can do all things. David said, I can run through a troop and I can jump over a wall. Not because of me, but because I'm living for a purpose that's greater than who I am. I'm living for a God that wants to use me. What you don't base your life upon the facts. Base your life upon the truth. The fact is this. You may have not been wanted by your parents. The truth is this. God is the giver of life. God gave you life for a purpose and a reason. The fact is this, you may be sick. The truth is this, he is still your healer. The fact is this, you may be going through a rough time. Your marriage may be on the rocks. The truth is this, I'm still the God that can reconcile. I'm the God of grace. I'm the God of mercy. The facts of that day were, yeah, you're a little kid. Yeah, you're a big dude. But the truth was, God is greater than anything. God is greater. I want to tell you something right now. The problems that we're going to face in life are not the giants from without us. It's the smallness from within us. It's not the giants. It's the smallness within us. Because when we see ourselves small, like the children of Israel, we will refuse to enter into the promise of God. Because we're seeing ourselves through their eyes, their perspective. Instead of seeing ourselves through God. Notice the title of our message today, The Anointing And. The Anointing And. The anointing is not the end. I said the anointing is not the end. I said the anointing is not the end. You've got to feel sorry for Eliab. You've got to feel sorry for his brothers. I'm sure they were all great dudes, but they didn't stand a chance. Why? Because God had been preparing his king in a wilderness on the side of a mountain with the sheep. One after the other, Abinadad stands up. Shammah stands up. Seven of Jesse's sons come. No, no, no. What you've got to understand that day, the prophet would have a horn of oil. And in that horn was oil. It was the horn of oil. And he would put that over the person. And from what we see from the priests, what we see of the kings of that day, here's what would happen. If that was the one that God had chosen, oil would begin to flow. I'm so thankful that he's the one that makes the oil flow. Because how many times would we anoint the wrong things in our lives? How long would we say, oh, this has got to be God. This has got to hold that oil or that oil over it. Test it to the scriptures. Test it to the word. Test it to godly counsel. Don't take everything you see as that because everything that glistens ain't gold. God is the one that will release the oil to anoint that which is his choice. 
So what's going through Samuel's mind? Samuel's thinking, I'm risking my life out here for nothing. God, you plainly told me it was one of Jesse's sons. They've all come. Nothing. What is going on? Verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, "Uh, are you sure all your kids are here? Is everyone here? Then he said, then Jesse said, oh, oh, hold on a second. There is one more. Samuel starts to get excited, man. They must have saved the best till last. We still don't get it, do we, many times? We still don't get it when God says it's not the outward. We still don't get it so many, oh, he's got to be the biggest, baddest dude. He's so big and bad, and he's so incredible. Wow, what must he be like? And 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 Jesse goes on to say, he's the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. Where is David? He's with the sheep. If you missed last week's message, please listen to it. It maybe will be one of the most life-changing, practical messages you will ever hear in your life. I believe that. I really do. I believe God spoke through us in such a powerful way last Sunday when we talked about the mundane. Mundane means this. Are you ready? Of this world, not of heaven. Of this world, not of heaven. We want to super spiritualize everything. Come on, it's got to be practical before it's spiritual. We've got to be trusted before we can be used. It's God's boot camp before we can become his king. Quit spiritualizing everything and be responsible for your life. Because God is using right where you're at to develop character. Because you've got to have character for where he's taking you. Because character is who you are when no one else is looking. It doesn't change when you're in the church. It doesn't change when you're around your parents. It doesn't change when you're around your spouse. It doesn't change around those. Oh, I can let my hair down now because you're a friend. You shouldn't be letting your hair down anywhere. Who you are should be the same person. And I want to say something. It doesn't matter if it's LSU gang day. That doesn't give you a license to sin like any other day. You've got to have character and purpose in your life. You see, we spiritualize everything at the failure of handling the responsible things. Remember we said this last week, God doesn't promote talent. He promotes character. Talent may be good. That's what the world likes, the outward. But God says, no, you've got to have the inward to sustain what I want to do. So it has to be bigger inside than what it is outside. So here's David. He's forgotten by man, but already provided and prepared by God. No one will eat, the prophet says, until he comes here. Verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and he was good looking. Come on, he's a red-headed, blue-eyed, good-looking, emphasis kid. Kid, kid. They tell us David's about 15 years of age at this time. He's a freshman in high school. He's on the JV team. He hasn't even made it to the varsity yet. And we're looking for what God? I thought we were looking for the next king. I'm sure Samuel is really feeling his day has been wasted. There is no way. Like God would prepare someone like that for himself. Read on verse 12. And the Lord says, Arise, anoint him for this is the one. Samuel once said, got to be the one. Samuel lost confidence in himself and it doesn't say that every time he said, oh, this is the one. He just poured the horn over to see if oil would flow. 
He's got no confidence right now. And that's okay because God doesn't need our confidence. He just needs our surrender. He just needs us to surrender because now God says, now let me speak. This is the one. And I love it. There's an exclamation mark at the end because God is exclaiming from the rooftops what everyone else around that day is questioning. God is seeing something different. Verse 13, then Samuel takes the horn of oil. And the anointing flows. The oil flows. And he anoints him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And then it says, and Samuel leaves. What just happened? What's going on? All the people of the city are there. Jesse and his sons. David standing there. Head to toe, soaked in oil. The prophet's gone. What just happened? You ever had moments like that in your life? You're like, what just took place? Because it was almost too much to take in. And you're trying to figure it all out. Mary had a time like that when she was holding the baby and the shepherds came and the wise men. It was just like so overwhelming. She's like, what's happening? She had to ponder things. She had to hold things in her heart because this was beyond description. This was beyond imagination. What is taking place? I'm telling you what's taking place. God is anointing his choice. And God can do anything with anyone when he has their heart. When God has your heart, he can do anything. I like the message Bible. It says the spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. God vitally empowered him for the rest of his life. It's another needed part in the picture of his life. And purpose, or really better said, his purpose in life. Because I truly believe that if you want to find life, you find purpose. Because in your purpose, there's life. Because you will find what God made you to be. And it's not just a moment of life. It's a lifetime of purpose. So what is the title of our message? The anointing and. Why? The anointing is not the end. It's just another step or a chapter in the purpose and the preparation of God for David's life. For your life. This is my opinion. This is my belief. Take it or leave it. I'm not giving you chapter and verse for this. So please, you pray about it and seek God. You may disagree. And if you do, throw it out. But I truly believe this was not the first experience or encounter that David had with God. I believe this was just a continuation and a confirmation of what God had already started in the life of David. The Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him. I believe the Spirit of God just came upon him in a greater way. I believe the Spirit of God was already upon him. I believe that when we are born, the Spirit of God is upon us. I believe our purpose is when we are born is when we have our purpose. It's not when we arrive. It's not when we're anointed. It's not when we sit on the throne. I believe it is already there. I believe this wasn't David's first day on the job. That then he said, okay, now I've got to change the way I live because now God's with me. I've got to change my thinking. No, God anointed him because his thinking was already where it needed to be. His life was already where it needed to be. This was not the first day on the job. This was just the first day now being the anointed king of God. Listen to me. This was just another day in the purpose of the life and future that David had. You've got to see that because I believe that's important. 
Because some of you, like a fairy tale, are waiting for my prince to come. Someday my prince will come. You've got to realize that when your prince comes, maybe the reason your prince isn't showing up because you're not prince material yet. You've got to prepare yourself for the prince. You've got to prepare yourself and look the part and be the part and trust God with everything that you have. You see, this is just another day. David's not waiting for this moment to become Christ-like. He's living Christ-like, catching the attention of God in the earthly, mundane things of life, putting his shopping cart back, being on time for work, having the right attitude, doing the right things. Yes, sir. No, sir. He has the right attitude of earthly things, and that's why now God says, hey, I'm now going to take you to another level. Not I'm going to take you somewhere. I'm now going to take you to another level because you're already there. But I want to take you higher and deeper. So what does David do? Does he go home and packs his bags for the palace? I mean, I'm the next king. That's where I go. No, no, no. You know where David goes? Back with the sheep. Back in the mundane. Back in the mundane. Do you know it would be another 18 years before David would become the next king? 18 more years he would carry the anointing of God. 18 more years that God still had to do some work in his life. But he didn't find his purpose 18 years later. He was living in his purpose that day. Just like he was the day before he was anointed. Just like the day before that and the day before that. He was living in the anointing. Listen to me. When the anointing came, everything changed. Yet nothing changed. What are you saying, Pastor Philip? Everything changed, but nothing changed. Yeah. Because David continued being David. David still had the same ability to think right and wrong. David still now had the ability to do right and wrong, just like he had. Nothing spiritually, supernaturally changed in David that all of a sudden he goes to be, he's morphed into this new person. He hasn't arrived. He doesn't neglect his responsibilities. He's back with the sheep. All that has happened, all that's really changed is there's now a confirmation to the call that God has placed upon his life. And now he has an empowerment for the task of his head because the Spirit comes upon him and now empowers him in a greater way. So here's the main difference. David was the same person. Yes, he's now empowered, but he's doing the same things that he's always done. He's been faithful where God has placed him. But here's what changes. People around him begin to notice he's different. People around him begin to recognize and see him differently. He's the same man in his eyes doing the same things. Notice this statement. Purpose will distinguish you in a crowd. Purpose will distinguish you in a crowd. It's a standout feature that God needs in a bowing world. It's someone that would say, you know what, I'm still going to be faithful doing it. Because, yeah, they know you're anointed. They know you go to church. They know, but that shouldn't change the fact that you neglect your work. Oh, because I'm spiritual. I'm above that. When you get above that, you're above God. Because when you forget your responsibilities and you neglect those things that God has called you to, God then turns around and says, sorry, I can't use you. Just like Saul, he was once anointed. And God had to reject that. 
But now God is looking for his man and woman that he doesn't want to reject because he's accepted us, but he wants to build us and help us. He wants a person to stand out in a crowd, not because they're anointed and say, look at me, I'm the next king, but someone who is the hardest working, most dedicated, most committed, most loyal, most given, the best person that that you could ever be. He's still a kid. He doesn't grow hair on his chest. Boom, you're anointed. Muscles don't ripply appear. He he doesn't go from being five foot tall to seven foot two or something. It doesn't. He's still a kid. He's still a shepherd. But notice how people now see him. They now see him as God's kid. They now see him as God's shepherd. And that makes all the difference. There was a new attraction about his life. I believe people have to see something different in you. Because if there's nothing different in you, you're the same as everyone else. I believe that God is preparing our lives for a purpose. And that purpose means in our workplaces we need to be the brightest light that we could ever be. That just because we've been in church today doesn't make us more holy than people. But people are going to realize that there's something different in you. That you're going to create a hunger and thirst in people's life. The anointing doesn't place you above others. It just presents you to the world. I wish I had more time. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit didn't come upon them so they could be more spiritual than anyone else. But that's how we label it in the church. I've got the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I'm more spiritual than you. I'm more godly than you. Last time I checked, salvation is all that's required for heaven. That's God's criteria. Now, don't get me wrong. He wants his Holy Spirit to be the power that helps us through life. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't make us more spiritual. It doesn't make us out of reach. In fact, the Holy Spirit makes us more relevant to the people around us. What do I mean by that? Because when they spoke in other tongues, people from all nations around says, Wow, I hear you praising and glorifying God in my tongue. Notice what happens. It doesn't take us out of the reach of people. It takes us to the hurts of people. That we can start speaking healing to their hurt. That we can start speaking victory to their need. That we can be relevant to those around. Don't let the anointing remove you from the place where God has placed you. With a purpose and with a calling. God places you in a position to impact and to touch other people. I've got to go on. I've got so much to cover, but let's read quickly. It's amazing. I don't think it's by chance. Nothing in God's word is by chance. Verse 13, he's anointed Samuel Lees. Verse 14, and now a distressing spirit comes upon Saul. Just emphasis to the fact again that he's been rejected by God. Just emphasis to the fact that he's out of the plan and purpose of God. But the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. And a distressing spirit from the Lord had troubled him. And Saul's servants said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Notice, there's so many things you can bring out here. You're going to have to read my book. This is going to be my book. I'm going to write a book on this. Seriously, I'm writing a book on this. But here's what you've got to see. It wasn't that God caused an evil spirit to come upon Saul. But notice this. If we're in a circle and that's God's provision and blessing for our life, through disobedience we choose to step out. And when we step out, we choose to step out of the protection and the provision of God for our lives. So it's not that God causes any problems because the Bible says God doesn't bring harm to any. God doesn't cause those things to happen. In our, he allows those for what reason? Because we've stepped out. Now, those things can happen when we're in too because he's building us and planning us. But I believe that Saul had a distressing spirit that says it was by God. Why? Because he stepped out of the protection and the provision of God. 
And when you step out of there, you open yourself up to everything else that the world has to offer. The world has to offer. And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is upon you. Verse 16. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player of the harp. He wasn't just a musician, a skillful harp player. I can almost see David at school. He wants to play music. He's got a musical ability. He's the smallest kid in the class, so he gets there last. He's at the back of the line. He wants to play the saxophone. He wants to play the bass guitar. He wants to play the drums. He wants to play the piano. He wants to play the guitar. He wants to play something really cool, and he gets there, and they say, sorry, every instrument is gone, just the harp. It's like on the same level as the triangle. I mean, not much to it. Now, I I know it probably didn't happen like this. Just play with me. It's my message. Just help me to go there. But I I can see David sitting in there and everyone else has got the drums and everyone else at the front. He's up the back corner with his... Just this heart of little insignificance of importance. Can I tell you right now what you may think is insignificant today? God is saying, I'm looking for a harpist. I'm not looking for someone who can play the drums. I'm not looking for someone who can play the saxophone. I'm looking for someone who maybe thought my life was over and there's no point because look what I have. God says that specifically. Why? Because God never wastes an experience. When you don't see the purpose of where you're at, I want to tell you right now, God does. Remain faithful and be the best at what you're doing, whatever that may be. And Saul says to his servants, okay, provide me a man. Got to finish. Verse 18, then the servants answered and said, look, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. This is David, the anointed king, who is skillful in playing. He is a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Key to it all, the Lord is with him. When God is with you, it changes everything. Look at the list of things that they said that we see. We see a skillful musician. I, I can get that because David was a skillful musician. I, I can grasp that. Handsome, we, we heard that he was a handsome young man. I get that. Prudent in speech. I can accept that. I can accept that. Why? Because he's a songwriter. He wrote most of the books of Psalms. To write songs, to write Psalms, you've got to have a good way with words. It's not just throwing anything together. So, so good with words, well spoken, I can get that. God is with him. Well, that's evident from his life. We all can see that, his character and his faithfulness. But there's two other things there that I struggle with. They say he's a mighty man of valor. Now, you could say, well, it's because of the lion and the bear. I don't know if anyone knew about the lion and the bear then. I don't even know if the lion and the bear had happened then. And I believe it hadn't happened, or let me rephrase that, it maybe happened, but I don't know if anyone knew about it then. Why? Because it wasn't till later when he is standing before Saul as a giant comes that he turns around and says, let me tell you something about what happened to me before. He's not saying, Saul, can I remind you of what I've told you before? He said, so we have to look at that and say, "Mm, man of valor, I don't understand that. And if we kind of can get that, I don't think we can get the other part. He's a man of war. He's with the sheep. He hasn't even got a sword. He hasn't been to battle training camp. He hasn't even been through boot camp. He's not even in the army. He's just an anointed shepherd boy. But he's an anointed shepherd boy that God was not finished with yet. Here's why I believe 
that they saw something in David that he was not even experiencing in his life right then. Why? Because man's list goes this way. God says, flip the list. Because God says, when I'm with you, notice this, when God is the top of the list, God says, I'm going to give you skill and ability in your life. He was a skilled musician. You can be the greatest worker and the greatest employer. You can have knowledge and skill beyond your years. Ask Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they made a vow to God, God gave them wisdom and insight and instruction. I believe, you see, when God is the one that's seen to be in your life, people will begin to see the God in your life. So they weren't seeing him as a man of valor. They weren't seeing him as a man of war. They were seeing God, the creator, the general of the armies of the king of kings. They were seeing God inside of him. You got to see that because when God is with you, they saw his heart and character. Not, it wasn't about his accomplishments. He hadn't done the things that they had seen, but they saw the God who was inside of him. It wasn't what he had done that caught the attention of the king. It was who he was. Because who he was had caught the attention of the king of kings and lord of lords. What do you see of yourself? You maybe don't see yourself mighty. You maybe don't see yourself valiant. You maybe don't see yourself with everything together. Can I tell you right now, when you are living in the plan and purpose of God, when you get out of the way and say, God, I just want to serve you, people are going to see things in you that you don't see in yourself. People are going to come up to you and say, would you pray for me? And you're like looking around saying, who are you talking to? People are going to come and say, I want what you've got. What is it about you? People are going to see things in you that you don't even see yourself. Why? Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about a life that is yielded and surrendered and given to God. Would you stand to your feet all over this place today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At HeartSeas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Yeah.